Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio on a Thursday morning. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Um, Coming up, we're going to talk about uh, great inventions that were made by mistake, uh, movies that people think are cursed. And uh, we got a a guy who sawed his neighbor's garage in half in a property dispute. So we're going to talk about uh, having bad neighbors or weird neighbors and things like that. Also, at 2.30 every uh, weekday morning, we play back some classic stuff from the Johnny Carson Show. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show on Antenna TV every night. And uh, we play back sketches, and we play back stand-up and interviews and things like that. So, uh, on the classic Carson uh, clip that we're going to play this morning from 1976, Jonathan Winters. So, we can expect insanity. Uh, Valerie Gangus is going to join us too. She, she'll be coming up a little bit uh, later on. She's an author, a speaker, and a transcendental meditation expert. And she's going to help us uh, all just sort of relax and calm during this weird time. 312 981 7200 is the phone number on the Team Hochberg phone line. 312 981 7200. Our good friend Dan Feinberg, TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter, he joins us bi weekly to talk about TV. You can follow him at The Fine Print. And uh, let us welcome Dan to the show. Hello, Dan. Hello, Nick. How are you? Well, uh, California is increasingly back under lockdown. On the other hand, apparently they're starting to play baseball tomorrow. So everything is strange, Nick. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, I I watched a little baseball uh, just this, uh, this evening. And I have to say uh, that uh, I, I am, uh, endlessly amused by the cardboard cutouts that they're using uh in the in the in the crowd the los angeles uh behind home plate with the stars uh crowd is pretty fantastic it's important for example that you can still have mary hart behind home plate if the game is Dodger <laughs> stadium because that's just did they uh just what people need is larry is larry king out there I suspect he has to be because you can't have Mary Hart and not Mary King. Yeah. Uh, but I, I specifically noticed Mary Hart in the few minutes of highlights I watched. But then, of course, you know, there's there's the piped in sound and the empty stadiums. It's all very peculiar. And the Blue Jays, as of the last I heard, can't find a place that will actually let them play baseball. And yeah. No one thinks that's at all strange. Uh, and and no one can actually go into New York city from like 14 different states but again no one finds that at all strange no one's worried about these things so who am i to be worried about it let's play ball (laughs) it's a weird time we're living in dan uh Uh, but uh, but let me tell you i'm still going to be watching the baseball games tomorrow yeah oh yeah no 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 it's i i i need baseball i'm telling you right now i I I miss it and I need it. I also miss hockey and I need that too. And uh, we're supposedly starting that. When when is that? Is that Tom? Is that August first? Is uh, I believe August. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be weird to see hockey. It'll be it'll be just it'll be very weird to see hockey in in July and August. <laughs> so 
There's there's no part of this that isn't weird. All of the videos from the bubble that the NBA is in in Orlando, those are all weird. It's, you know, strange times. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's talk TV, shall we? Because ah, that's at least business as usual. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay. We have to start with what was, without question, uh, the most difficult, uh, d- the most disappointing hour of television that I've seen in a very, very long time. And I'm talking about the Thirty Rock special. Oh my God, was it <sighs> bad? It was so, so bad. I mean, yes. You're the, the first thing to note is yes, you are correct. Um, it was it was not good. Um, the the problem comes when we refer to it as a special mm-hmm. because it was not. It was not a thing that human beings were ever supposed to see. It was a thing <laughs> that was made for advertisers. Yeah, and for whatever reason. NBC decided it was a good idea to put it on the air because they figured out it's a stunt. They didn't anticipate that lots of their affiliates would prefer not to actually air it. Yeah. So yeah, lots yeah. and lots of people around the country didn't get to see it. Uh, I wish I wish I was I wish I was I wish I was one of them. Uh, but you still would have you still would have sought it out on Hulu. Or no, I would. Of course I would have. Yeah. Of course I would have. Yeah. Even if I told you it was awful, even if everyone had told you it was awful, you would have sought it out and you wouldn't have been wrong because, you know, you're a 30 Rock fan. Yep. And, and so, of course. But, yeah, it was it was bad. It was embarrassing. It was uncomfortable. Uh, the thing I compared it to was either when you hear a story about, like, Drake performing three songs at his dentist's son's bar mitzvah or something, (laughs) where there's this strange obligation that everyone's there for and they're just trying to make the best of it, or or when, like, Brad Pitt does peanut butter commercials in Thailand and assumes that no one will ever see them in the States, and then somehow they end up coming back over here, and you're like, whoa, that was a a bad thing he decided to do. So, yeah, that's that's what it felt like. It, It felt like Except it wasn't even like they had a professional obligation. That's the thing. I don't even know what the contracts were on this because, yeah, they were advertising for Peacock, and you understand how that benefited them. But I don't know if I don't know what NBC had to pay and what was under a promotional budget. But regardless, it was never a thing that human beings were supposed to be shown. It was supposed to play at the upfront presentation to advertisers, and that's it. And instead, we got to experience the very uncomfortable hour-long commercial for peacock yeah so yeah yay yeah no it was i I just was i was i was just stunned at how bad it was and um you know and so disappointed because you know i I love 30 rock and i love everybody on that show and i was so excited to to see them all again and um man i mean i it was just so bad there were things that I was finding myself interested by or amused by throughout it wasn't like i was laughing really ever but it was like okay oh so lutz is married to sue i didn't realize that yeah Great. yeah, and yeah. Apparently they're married so nifty that was fine um like with the snl live episodes not live episodes snl from home whatever that was yeah there was some of the amusement of seeing what people's houses look like yeah so yay yeah <laughs> yeah uh, I'm trying to think of anything else no not much else. no much. no it was just it was incredibly disappointing okay dan hang on okay Sure. All right, Dan Feinberg is with us. He is a TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. You can follow him at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. 
Uh, lots of TV to talk about. And if you have a TV-related question or a comment and you want to jump in with us, we would love that. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. All right. And uh, we'll continue. All right. Hey, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock on a Thursday, right? It's Thursday. <laughs> Thursday morning. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Dan Feinberg is a TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. You can follow him at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. He joins us a couple of weeks, every couple of weeks to talk TV. If you have any uh, TV-related questions or comments, you can call us on the Team Hockberg phone line at 312-981-7200. And here's Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, Nick. All right. Uh, tell us about intelligence. Intelligence. Well, intelligence is one of two uh, British transplants that were part of the launch of Peacock last week. Mm-hmm. And you, of course... Everyone knows all about Peacock because it was the thing being advertised throughout the Thirty Rock special. So, uh, <laughs> right. so yay. Uh, <laughs> Intelligence is the quote-unquote comedy from that group. Uh, and mostly it was brought over for the Peacock launch because, well, Peacock doesn't have access to friends. So they got the next best thing, which was a British sitcom starring David Schwimmer as a NSA operative who gets sent over to liaise with the cyber crimes division of some British intelligence service, and he butts heads with people, and that's pretty much the joke. Uh, Definitely there's no question that the UK has a tradition of truly excellent workplace sitcoms about largely repellent people in single locations being unfortunate co-workers to each other, and this kind of is supposed to fit in in that tradition. It's just not really very funny. Uh, the most funny thing in it, unquestionably, is David Schwimmer, who is playing a, a gigantic jerk, and it is a thing that he does very, very well. He has sort of turned all of Ross's annoying eccentricities from friends up a few notches, but only a few notches, because Ross was, of course, already a bit of a sociopath. Uh, <laughs> but he's he's worse in this case, much, much worse, largely because he probably is carrying a gun. Well, maybe not carrying a gun in the UK, but he, he would have a license to carry one in the, in the United States. But yeah, there, there's no particular humor to it. There's no angle to it other than here's an awful American and all of his new British co-workers look at him funny and then he does something else awful. And then he does something else awful and then it's time for another episode. They go by reasonably quickly. It's only six episodes, but I don't think I laughed in six episodes, so... There you go. But David Schwimmer's fine. I mean, I, I think he does the thing he does extremely well. Uh, and I think he could be in this very same character, part of a much better show. This just currently is not that show, unfortunately. Um, who's behind this one? 
the creator is Nick Muhammad, who is actually one of the co-stars in it and has given himself possibly the only sympathetic character in the entire series, playing the the primary person who David Schwimmer's character is working with, and probably within a cast of uh, characters who are largely awful, the most sympathetic of the characters, because all he wants to do is for have this uh, boorish American be friendly to him, and he's never going to be, so... Yeah, uh, this is the first show he's created. You can definitely see the tradition that he wants to be working in here, but, yeah, just not not very good. Um, it aired on Sky One in the U.K., and it has already been renewed for a second season, and I can see how a second season might be better than the first because, you know, you spend time establishing the characters, and maybe in the second season you start paying off the things you establish. I, I don't know, but I would not be hugely enthusiastic to watch anymore personally so it's available on peacock right now um some of it is uh i will not even pretend to know how peacock is rolling out its tv shows because it's really all confusing also peacock has the whole it's free unless you want to watch their originals thing going on uh but i can't imagine anyone wanting to pay money to watch intelligence okay. so all right all right there you go there you go so not good okay we have uh, someone on the line here if you want to jump in with a tv uh, question or comment 312-981-7200 here's thomas on wgn hey thomas hi good morning nick uh and david uh i was calling to see if either one of you have watched the program that airs here on uh the wttw prime station called the frankie drake mysteries i think it's produced out of canada yeah, it's a Canadian show. I've not watched it. Dan, have you watched it? Um, I have not watched it. I get regular press. I get regular press releases about it, though. So I know that uh, that both people are very enthusiastic about it in Canada, where apparently it's very, very well received, and they've actually brought it a couple times to uh, to press tour uh, to promote because it is apparently very successful on CBC in, in Canada. But no, I have I have not watched it, but I know that some people really enjoy its charming Canadianness. So do you like it, Thomas? Oh, I love it. It's a story about a private detective agency run by two women, one of whom is black and the other one is white. And there's a third young lady who's a, um, a uh, police officer set in the 1920s, and it has uh, historical figures like Hemingway, uh, presented in the uh, storylines that they'll bring in, like gangsters from the twenties and stuff. So it's really and it's fun. It's humorous and it's serious and it's it's fun. Oh, okay, cool. All right, thanks, Thomas. Thanks, Frankie Drake Mysteries. I have not uh, I have not seen that. How often do we? I mean, do we have a, a, a ton of Canadian shows on American TV, Dan? Um, a pretty fair number actually, because they sort of percolate over because the more cable networks need to fill space, the more they pop up. And, you know, this is obviously one that is in a a familiar genre, but with a period twist. And it, it stars uh, Lauren Lee Smith, who was on CSI for a couple of years. She's, she's semi-recognizable. She did a bunch of reasonably uh, well-received indie movies about 20 years ago or so. So, you know, she, she's kind of a, a near name. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, this is the kind of thing, trust me, I feel like we're probably going to get more and more shows like this over the next couple months because people will be looking up north to fill programming space while we figure out when we'll be able to begin, begin production again and how. Okay. 
Um, so I wanted to mention this. You, uh, you, uh, and your your colleague Leslie Goldberg uh, talked with um, Sarah Bareilles. We did indeed. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Sarah Bareilles and uh, Jesse Nelson, her co-creator of Apple TV Plus's Little Voice, uh, joined us on uh, our TV's Top 5 podcast two weeks ago. And that was a great pleasure, uh, both because Sarah Bareilles is pretty cool in her laid-back way and because my colleague Leslie is a large Sarah Bareilles fan, not quite as large as her wife is, but a yeah. large Sarah Bareilles fan. So <laughs> there was a lot of excitement around having Sarah Bareilles there. And she's a good interview. She's she's really she's really smart and, and entirely likable, I would yeah, say. I think she's great. I've always been a huge fan. I also love the fact that um Felicity influenced Little Voice. What what did she, what, <laughs> what what did she say about that? Any any chance I get to talk about Felicity, I take it. Oh, and trust me, I know that. Um, <laughs> basically, we, we, we asked them about the, the sort of vague oddness of Little Voice being a J.J. Abrams production, because lately when we think of J.J. Abrams, we think of big, shiny red balls and gigantic uh, spaceships and all of his J.J. Abrams stuff. And, right. of course, as both Sarah Bareilles and Jesse Nelson noted, you know, his first TV project, was Felicity. Yes, it and was. <laughs> so, and, and so when you put it in that context, Little Voice actually makes a lot of sense. It is a story of a young woman trying to find her voice in, in Manhattan. I, you know, what is, what is Felicity if not that? So they did a pretty good job of selling how, how it made sense for J.J. Abrams in a way that I hadn't necessarily thought of previously. Mm-hmm. So... It was a, it was a good sell they made. Yeah. I, I remember hearing a story that uh, that uh, Carrie Russell uh, told on a talk show years and years ago about how they were at a they were they wrapped up one of the seasons of Felicity, um, and uh, they were at the wrap party and they and and they had, they were all getting pretty tipsy. And uh, Felicity, or Felicity, I'm sorry, uh, Carrie Russell came up to him and said <laughs> she was you know she was she had had a few. And she comes up to J.J. Abrams, and she said, uh, hey, wouldn't it be hilarious if we found out uh, that Felicity was actually a secret agent? And that's how Alias was born. <laughs> um, I, think that would, I think that would be the version of the story that Carrie Russell would tell if she was hoping to maybe get some uh, residuals out of it. But, yeah, <laughs> I've definitely heard the, I've heard the Alias was pitched as what if Felicity but a spy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, of course. That would be a very logical way, and I kind of miss that that somewhat more grounded version of J.J. Abrams. I wish he would return to that a little bit more, but it's it's hard if you've been entrusted with several of the biggest space-related franchises yeah, in the world. absolutely. No question about it. All right, uh, Dan, hang on. Sure. All right, Dan Feinberg is with us. He's the TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. You can follow him at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. Lots more TV to talk about with Dan and some of the reviews that he's that he's done. And if you have any uh, question or comments relating TV to TV, 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. We will continue. Hello, it's Nick DiGilio, live in the Skyline studio. 
in WNWGN. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Valerie Gangus is going to join us. She is an author, a speaker, and a transcendental meditation expert. We're going to talk about how maybe we can use a little bit of that during these uh, anxiety-filled times. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. We're talking TV with Dan Feinberg, who joins us every couple of weeks. He's a TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter, and you can follow him at thefineprint.com. That's F-I-E-N. And uh, hello, Dan. Hello, Nick. Okay. Uh, we have uh, another caller on the line. It's Trucker Rich. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, good evening, Nick. Yeah, for Mr. Feinberg, I mean, I know a lot of the shows like NCIS and Chicago shows are on... I guess you call it hiatus because of the pandemic, but has like live PD and live rescue been axed, dropped permanently, or are they just off because of the pandemic? Have you heard? Um, live PD was canceled uh, amidst the uh, police protests last month or the month before. God, it's amazing the way time is going yeah. into a vortex. Yeah. Um, I believe they're. I believe they're planning on reconceiving what that show is and what it can be because it's a show that's important to the network and it is a show that's extremely popular. Uh, but as of right. now, it is. It is. It has gone fallow. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just didn't know if if it was gone forever because it was kind of interesting to watch. You know, it's. Kind of showed what they what the, what the police went through, you know. <laughs> right. Okay. All right, Rich. Thanks. All right. Yep. Thank you. All right. Yeah, they canceled, and then they they canceled cops too, which you know they did, and that and that one I suspect. Well, everything comes back. Uh, you know, I would not be the least bit surprised if if cops is rebooted in five years or heck three years. You know, who knows? Who knows what the world is going to be in two months, much less in five years. Uh, but the cops brand is a very strong and powerful brand. And I expect it will lay low and find a way to poke its head out when the time is right. And I assume that uh, the live PD uh, brand will also find a way to come back in some form or another, just not the form that it was in when it was last airing. Now, and cops was like kind of the cornerstone for Fox, right? When they first launched it was it was a cornerstone to be sure. I don't think we give it the same credit that we give, you know, your your married with children's or, you know, going a couple of years later, you know, uh nine oh two one oh or ultimately the Simpsons, which, you know, was kind of the show that quote unquote made the network. Yeah. Unless you just want to view America unless you just want to view American Idol as the show that made the network. Um but yeah, definitely it was it was a cornerstone because it was and they could air a lot of it. And that's the kind of thing that really, really is useful, regardless of whether you're cable or broadcast, is if you can just start pumping out dozens upon dozens of episodes of something that costs you almost nothing to make, yeah, that could, that can really help you launch a brand. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. I, and it was, a, it was inc- I mean, I know it was an incredibly popular show. I mean, how many years was it on? Oh God! It must have been like twenty. I think twenty-seven or something was the number that we were giving a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, but again, like everything else, it just sort of gets sucked into the black hole of my my quarantine brain. Uh, but yes, it, it and then it went off and aired elsewhere for a while as well. It, you know, it, it, there's a there are a lot of people who really love that brand and who will someday 
someone will want to bring it back. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how. Okay. Um, by the way, you know, to get back really quickly to the uh, to the Thirty Rock uh, show. Uh, you did. Po- you did post. Uh, there wasn't any sort of acknowledgement acknowledgement of uh, Rip Torn in the hour long Thirty Rock commercial for Peacock. Was there? I could have totally missed it. Uh, no, you didn't miss it. There was no no Rip Torn. No Rip Torn mention. You know, and I and I tweeted it, and and when I tweeted it, as soon as I had pressed send, my response was, well, of course not. It's an advertising presentation, and you know, you don't you don't. Need to, you don't need to show respect for human beings if that's what you're making. So, like, I don't think there's any chance at all that if they had truly made for audiences and fans of 30 Rock a reunion hour-long episode, that they wouldn't have honored Rip Torn. Yeah. But because this was just something that was meant to sell products to advertisers, no one needed to be respectful or thoughtful or introspective, and certainly no one was. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it did. It did seem strange that uh, you know, especially considering what the plot line was, that you'd, you'd the quote unquote the quote unquote yeah plot line. yeah exactly yes. yeah the, the, the what the weird sort of barely a premise was um, that you wouldn't you know have to acknowledge Rip Torn, um, who was just so great uh, on that on the show. Well, he was great on everything. I, th- I think if nothing else, if you had done it in a legitimate format, you would have, for example, just had a. Had a picture of Rick Torn on on Jack Donaghy's desk or something. You know, you could anything, just something as small as that. You know, a picture of Alec Baldwin and Rip Torn together. Yeah. Period. That was all you needed, and everyone would have gone, "Ah, okay, that's right." Uh, but yeah, this this was not the format where anyone was going to think to do that. And again, they <laughs> as they were making it, they couldn't possibly have thought that they were making this thing for actual humans to see. So. Right. They didn't put in the consideration they might have given otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Now, would would this be like a thing? Like, did, did NBC? I mean, what do we know any behind the scenes stuff? Did NBC come, go to Tina Fey and say, "Hey, we want to broadcast this," and she was like, "Okay." I assume that's what it was, and I assume then that there were contractual discussions, and everybody got a little bit more money, and and I'm sure that was a very nice thing. But yeah, I, I assume that at a certain point they said, "Okay, well." We could use it, and we got okay numbers for the uh, the Parks and Rec special, and people were very and people were very generous to that, and people people really were, I would say, significantly more complimentary towards that than the actual product warranted. But people that meant that people at NBC could go, well, there's a lot of nostalgia out there, and people are desperate to get new incarnations within that nostalgia. Let's put this on you know yeah. what's the worst that could happen and, yeah. <laughs> and i guess to some degree they probably saw it yeah okay all right uh tell us about the capture uh the capture is the other of the two british imports uh that premiered with peacock last week okay. and it is um also not from anyone who anyone would know it is from a single writer-director, which is a little bit unusual, uh, Ben Channon, who has worked on shows including The Missing in the UK, and is, you know, a fairly reputable British person, but this is his first sort of writing-directing project, and it's the story of... It's, it's really about how suspicious and prevalent and powerful uh, CCTV is in London and its ability to help people feel like they're being safe and help people feel like 
being observed at all times and under constant surveillance is good to prevent crime, but what if it turned out that CCTV is not as reliable as as we have to believe it is in order for it to work? Uh, so it's, it's a story of a soldier who has just been acquitted for a horrible war crime in Afghanistan, and then he gets accused of kidnapping his barrister, as we say in the UK. Um, and he says, I didn't do it. And then they pull up the CCTV footage, and it shows that he did. Well, someone's lying. Is it the man, or is it the technology? So it becomes a introspective question like that. And uh, unlike um, intelligence, which has David Schwimmer and a bunch of people, mostly people haven't heard about, this one is is packed with familiar faces on both sides of the pond. So the star... Uh, playing the detective who's investigating all of this is Holiday Granger, who has been in many British TV things and periodically pops up in American TV. She played uh, Bonnie in the entirely unnecessary Bonnie and Clyde uh, TV miniseries that aired a couple of years ago. Oh, right. Right. Good, but, right. But, it did, but it did exist, uh, I promise. Um, <laughs> then there are... There are an assortment of other familiar faces, uh, Ben Miles, who some people will know as Patrick from the original British coupling and from many, many other TV shows, plays her boss. Uh, Ron Perlman plays the somewhat threatening American who is working under shady circumstances in London, a little bit like the David Schwimmer character from Intelligence, but played by Ron Perlman and therefore much more intimidating, uh, and a bunch of other people who you recognize. And this one is definitely better than intelligence uh, because I was curious. Uh, just as simple as that. After the first episode, I was like, okay, I would like to see what the answer to this mystery is. And that, that goes a long way if you're watching a show that's a mystery. Ultimately, I was a little disappointed by where it went after six episodes, and the resolution I thought was more silly than probably it needed to be. Uh, but if you watch long enough, uh, Famke Jansen pops up also. So Whoa. lots of familiar faces, and it's at least an interesting show. Uh, but once again, if they're asking you to pay for the original content on Peacock, I would probably not pay for this. Okay. But, you know, if I happen to be a fan of British crime dramas and was kicking around and already had peacock it's watchable okay and that also uh is on peacock right now is our all and this is also a six episode uh thing also six episodes this one's an hour long as opposed to intelligence which is a half hour but and some of these episodes feel a little padded i'm not sure it's really six episodes worth of story but there's there's some interesting stuff here and some interesting paranoia and kind of real world what if pseudo sci-fi to it which is interesting and again london is this is a fact of life in london the cctv surveillance everywhere and so it's a thing to it's a serious thing to consider in a not hugely serious format okay all right so that's called the capture and it's on peacock wherever you have that but you have to pay for this one you have to pay for this one like you'd have to pay for intelligence and like you'd have to pay for Brave New World. Okay. All right. All right, Dan, hang on, okay? Sure. All right, Dan Feinberg is with us, and we're talking TV. And if you would like to jump in, it's 312 981 
and Dan Feinberg joins us every couple of weeks. He's a TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter, and we'll get back to our conversation about TV. Uh, if you have a TV-related question or a comment, 312-981-7200, right here on 720 WGN. Hello. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, we are uh, live in the Skyline studio here. Um, and we're here till 4 o'clock. Coming up after uh, 1 o'clock or so, Valerie Gangus is going to join us. She is an author, a speaker, and a transcendental meditation expert. And, um, you know, she's got some stuff that we're going to talk about, stories. And, of course, uh, during this uh, strange time, there's a lot of anxiety happening to people, and we're going to maybe get a little advice from her on how we can try and deal with that. Uh, and the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. We're talking TV. Dan Feinberg, TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. You can follow him at The Fine Print. Joins us every couple of weeks to talk TV, and we got more TV to talk about. If you want to jump in, it's 312-981-7200. Hello, Dan. Hello, Nick. All right. Uh, we got another caller. Here's Ike. Go ahead, Ike. Hey, Nick. How's it going? How's it going with you, man? All right. Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to make a comic real quick that uh, Cobra Kai is moving to is, it's first, the first two seasons is coming to Netflix uh, until it until season three in the fall. I just wanted to let, let you guys know that on Netflix. So it's moving to Netflix. Yeah, the first two seasons will be available on August 28th, and then the, the season three will be available in the, sometime in the fall. Okay. All right, Ike, thanks. No problem. All right. So that's a, that's a pretty interesting move, huh, Dan? It is. Uh, YouTube had that little period where they were trying to do original successful shows, and they actually landed one, and Cobra Kai was actually a big hit, or seemed to be. I mean, who knows? Uh, but it made a cultural splash, oh, and... Yeah. It was apparently it was apparently not enough to actually sustain YouTube being in the scripted television space, and thus went off into the world. And Netflix picked up the second season, the third season rather, which had already been finished in production. And so we'll see now if Netflix is going to be able to get enough juice out of this to make a fourth and fifth and whatever season. But yeah, it, it makes total sense for Netflix as an acquisition. Doesn't yeah, really cost them anything particular and again you pick up something that actually has a, a very passionate fan base and i thought the first season of cobra kai was great i thought the second season was a bit of a disappointment but not a huge disappointment but not as good as the first for me okay all right i uh, i'm gonna watch it you know when it gets to netflix because i i didn't get the youtube thing but uh but i, I you know i i it, it was in the zeitgeist for uh for a long time you know oh it because it's it's far better than you than it has any right to be, and it's the, the first season was really a ton of fun. The second season was fun. I, I think that if the second season had been the first season, I would have thought that was better than it had any right to be. It just happened to be a little bit less successful for me than the first. But no, it, this it's it's an example of how to actually do a reboot that was kind of 
exceptionally uh, unnecessary and then surprisingly necessary, which kind of shocked me. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, Tom, you 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 watched it? I did, I did. Um, I thought it was. I, I agree with. I agree with Dan. Um, it was a really good way to actually do the reboot, especially because, um, you know, I I don't have at that as big of a connection to the Karate Kid as a lot of people uh, because I did not grow up with it. It was you know very much a product of its time, but uh, you know I liked the original well enough, and it was an interesting story. My only fear is that there are people out there that are. Uh, Johnny apologists, and I don't like that. I think you missed the point. Let's. I, I. I like that they complicate the character in the show and they explore him, and I think it's really interesting. But there are people who are like ah, oh, you know, Daniel San was a nerd anyway, so forget him. I'm like, guys, you were the bully in high school. That's what that tells me. Is that yeah. You were the bully in high school. Yeah. So. All right. <laughs> But sometimes the life of the bully does not always go as planned. That is the lesson. That is the lesson. Learn from Cobra Kai. Yeah. He's waking up chugging Coors Lights. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Uh, Hey, tell us about uh, United We Fall. Um, Well, I mean, I could, or you could just forget that it ever existed. I mean, that would be just (laughs) as good an approach to it. Uh, United We Fall um, is... Well, it's the summer's only new broadcast sitcom, so there's that, um, and therein lies the praise for it. It's a lot like a lot of mid-season comedies on various broadcast networks that all pretty much uniformly failed as well. So there was Indebted on NBC, which didn't last very long. There was Broke on CBS, which didn't last very long. There was Outmatched on Fox, which I know several people who actually really liked, uh, but also didn't last very long. Uh, and so now in the summer, we've got United We Fall. And let me tell you, it's probably not going to last very long, but who knows? Uh, it is the story of a couple who have been married for 10 years. They're played by Will Sasso and uh, Christina Vidal Mitchell, and they have two small children, and they're basically struggling with parenting, which is made extra difficult by the fact that uh, that his mother, played by the great Jane Curtin, in a truly horribly written role, uh, not in any way her fault, but boy, it's a waste of Jane Curtin, uh, she lives with them and is annoying all the time, and then her brother, played by Scandal and Weeds veteran Guillermo Diaz, uh, also pops over occasionally and is really annoying. Uh, There's very little to it. The first couple episodes had one or two moments where I said, okay, that's slightly more than generic. That actually kind of sounds like something that someone might have experienced being a parent. I appreciate the specificity. Uh, But even those moments weren't actually funny. Uh, Like in the first episode, uh, they have to take their four- or five-year-old daughter to the hospital because she has, let's just say she has a medical condition that we probably can't say on the radio here, but apparently you can totally say on ABC, which is uh, a little bit funny, but there you go. And it's kind of gross and kind of weird, but it felt like the kind of thing that might have actually happened to someone in their family. So, uh-huh, funny. Yeah, it's it's not very good. Uh, it's, it's sort of every banal, broad sitcom from the 80s and 90s with very little to recommend it, other than the, the stars 
aren't bad. Will Sasso has been funny in things. Christina Vidal Mitchell is funny. The kids are are decent uh, by child actor standards. So, yeah, but I would I would definitely not. Who who, uh, who created this one? Who's behind this one? Uh, it was created by Julius Sharp. Um, not sure instantly what his other credits are, but not so great. Uh, it has some randomly very very talented people writing for it. The second episode was written by uh, Gloria Calderon Kellett and Mike Royce, who are the very, very talented people behind the One Day at a Time reboot on Netflix and then Pop. Uh, and I guess the second episode is a hair better, uh, but also not like good. You, you know, it's not like the second episode is like, oh my God, this is a totally different show uh, just because these writers are much too talented for this. Uh, now it's a kind of boring premise that brings down talented writers, unfortunately. But yeah. that's sometimes what broadcast TV sitcoms do. Yeah. I always I always I always love to see Jane Curtin do anything, you know? She is so much too good for this. Yeah. And and this is not the kind of thing like I would say that Fran Drescher in Indebted, which was I thought a pretty bad comedy on NBC. I thought both Fran Drescher and Stephen Weber were good enough that occasionally they overcame really, really boring, badly written characters. Jane Curtin does not overcome a annoyingly written character here. That's too bad. Too bad. So that's United We Fall on ABC. Okay, here's Paul on WGN. Go ahead, Paul. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I just have a few shows. I just want to make sure coming back um, that my family and I, we have a couple of teenagers who have all kind of bonded over so, uh, Schitt's Creek is one? Schitt's Creek, unfortunately, is is done. Yeah, it, that was his this final last season. season was the end of Schitt's Creek, so enjoy okay. what there was. Um, what about Atypical? Uh, Atypical will be back for a fourth season, but I do not know where that one got caught up in the whole pandemic production shutdown etc but it was renewed for a fourth and final season and it will be back at some point yeah unfortunately and we, unfortunately we don't know when anything is coming back at this point well of course <laughs> i just want to i just want to make sure it is coming back and what about both all american and outer banks uh all american is another one that you know is you know in the limbo of uh the world we're living in but it will be back if uh, apparently it's a massive success for Netflix. It does it does very little at all on the CW, but apparently it is one of the more successful shows on uh, on Netflix. Go figure. So it will be back as soon as <laughs> as soon as they can get back to shooting it. Um, and as for Outer Banks, I don't believe it has been renewed yet, but I kind of suspect that that's just a product of no one knowing when they're going to be able to make it again because. It, that was one that premiered without all that much promotion, uh, but that people really did kind of talk about this spring. I think it was a show that, that struck a chord because people were stuck at home, and it was actually kind of a perfect show for people who were cooped up. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would guess it will be renewed, uh, but it has not been yet. Okay. All right, Paul, thanks for the call. Uh, if you want to jump in, it's 312-981-7200. Outer Banks, remind me what that is. Uh, it was the sort of kind of Goonies meets the OC, um, oh, where right, they were right. looking for hidden gold and stuff. And it, it wasn't horrible. I just really, it, it kept reminding me of things that I liked significantly more. 
Okay. Yeah. I now I now I remember what it was. Uh, I just didn't remember the title of it, but I remember discussing that one too. So, uh, all right, Dan, hang on. I mean, it, 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 it premiered a hundred years ago, April. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's, we're in a time warp. That's exactly what we are. Where we are. Dan, hang on. Sure. Okay, Dan Feinberg is with us, and we got more TV to talk about. He uh, TV critic for the Hollywood Reporter. Check him out at the Fine Print. F I E N F I E N. We got some more uh, TV to talk about, and again, if uh, you want to jump in with a TV uh, question or a comment, um, phone lines are are open for you three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Coming up after one o'clock, uh, one one fifteen ish or so. Valerie Gangus is going to join us. She's an author, a speaker, and a trans uh, transcendental meditation expert. And we're going to try and relax with her. All right, <laughs> let's go to the news. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're here till 4 o'clock. Coming up in uh, just a little bit, uh, Valerie Gangus is going to join us. She's an author, a speaker, and a transcendental uh, meditation expert. Um, we're going to talk about the latest in that and uh, how we can probably use that skill a little bit to get rid of some of the anxiety that we're all feeling at these times. Uh, every weekday morning at 2.30, we play some classic clips from the Johnny Carson Show. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show on Antenna TV every night. We're going to play back uh, some some uh, uh, audio of uh, the insane Jonathan Winters from 1976. Um, uh, we're going to talk about uh, great inventions that were made by mistake and uh, the story of a man who saws his neighbor's garage in half because of a property dispute. <laughs> So uh, we want to talk about uh, if you've ever had any disputes with your neighbors or if you've ever had any crazy or weird neighbors. And I believe everybody has at some point. 312-981-7200. That's our phone number on the Team Hochberg phone line. Dan Feinberg is still with us. He's a TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. And we love to talk TV with Dan. And let's continue to do that. Hello, Dan. Hello, Nick. All right. Hey, tell me about Cursed. Cursed was last week's big uh, Netflix original programming, and it is a high fantasy revisionist take on the Arthurian legend, which has been reinterpreted many, many times in many different ways. Uh, This is based on the graphic novel by Frank Miller and Tom Wheeler. Uh, Tom Wheeler is the showrunner on the Netflix version, and it is an origin story for the enchanted young woman who eventually goes on to become the Lady of the Lake, Mm. as it were. Um, And so she is played by Catherine Langford, who people will know from either the first two seasons of 13 Reasons Why or from Knives Out, and she is, again, very good here. Uh, I, I like Catherine Langford a lot. Um, she gets to wave a giant sword. She gets to do witchy magic, etc. And she encounters a lot of people from the Arthurian legends, including uh, a not-at-all king, Arthur, uh, who in this incarnation is 
sort of a mercenary looking for his purpose in the world. Um, and he's played by Devin Terrell, who played one of the two young Barack Obamas in one of the two young Barack Obama movies that came out, I think, in 2016. I don't remember if it was Barry or Southside with me, but one or the other. Okay. Uh, then there's also a, a young Merlin. Well, not a young Merlin, because Merlin is ageless. Uh, but in this incarnation, he's a Merlin who has lost his his powers and trying to get them back. He's played by Gustav Skarsgård, who, in addition to being of the Skarsgård dynasty, people will know from Vikings. Um, and, yeah, so she's sort of, she gets a very large sword in the first episode, and then she's kind of navigating around a semi-mystical kingdom, because, you know, it's kind of England, but not exactly, uh, and trying to avoid a bunch of evil monks uh, led by one played by Peter Mullen uh, and a weeping monk who likes to kill everyone, and then there are other magical people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think as as a feminist empowerment narrative, somewhat in the mists of Avalon vein, I, I liked it a reasonable amount. I, I like a lot of the actresses here, and some of them have very good material. It just spends a lot of time dropping Easter eggs and references to the Arthurian legend mm. and introducing characters as one thing and then having the characters reveal themselves several episodes, several episodes later. Oh, my name isn't really Frank. It's actually Arthur. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that, was, that was not a spoiler. Arthur reveals himself fairly early on. But it's that kind of thing, and it happens over and over again. And each time it happens, it's ridiculous. And each time it happens, it also reminds you that this doesn't really see itself as being the young woman at its center story. It views it as being kind of a stumbling block or a speed bump that gets us to the King Arthur and Lancelot and all the other stuff that we know about down the road. And I wish it could have just been the story that it is, and it could have been about this young woman finding her power, as opposed to this young woman who eventually will stick her hand out of a lake and hand a sword to someone else. And <laughs> that, that, that's, a, that's a frustration to me. Um, I wish it had just been the story it was supposed to be, a story of a young woman and a sword. Uh, okay. But it's, it's definitely not bad, and it's probably in the vein of Witcher for people who Oh, okay. All right, that makes sense. And that's uh, that's on Netflix right now. By the way, uh, Dan, we have a little audio here. Listen, strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. <laughs> yes. I, at some point, my review led with that, and then I decided I, I just wanted to get into the review. But there was, there was definitely a period, a period that Holy Grail... Featured heavily in my review because you, you can't well, you can't talk you, you can't talk about the 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 Lady of the Lake or the Arthur legend without mentioning Holy Grail. I mean, it's just it's the first thing that comes to mind every time. Every time. No, for, for trust me, for me as well. I watched I watched the clip a dozen times last week as I was watching these episodes <laughs> because I kept being like I kept being like this is a sort of silly place and then I would go off and watch another clip so it was, it was like that <laughs> right. just because some watery tart threw a sword at you <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so great uh, really quickly Fierce City New York versus the Mafia tell us about this this is a, a net again Netflix and it's a documentary 
Steve, Netflix is just making sure that no one runs out of TV. Yeah, so that's thank true. you as always, Netflix. Yeah. Um, this is this is a three episode uh, documentary series. It premiered on Wednesday, so I guess that would be yesterday right. or today, depending on your time zone. Uh, and it is it's the story of the mob you've seen about a billion times, whether dramatized by Martin Scorsese or other lesser people, uh, or really many, many, many documentaries. Uh, but it, it focuses more particularly on the uh, Mob Commission trial in New York City in the mid-'80s, which was overseen by Rudy Giuliani. It was one of the things that made his name. And this is somewhat taking the law enforcement perspective, and so it, it breaks down the challenges of bugging the five families uh, and getting wiretap warrants. And, and I really kind of liked it when it was about the logistics of putting together a RICO case, because you think, okay, that's not going to be so thrilling. It's very entertaining. And then you just kind of randomly have these two professional not really mob snitches, but whatever, uh, you know, the two mobsters they have from the families who have made this into their career and have been in like 50 different documentaries telling the same story, the same stories over and over and over again, and there's nothing fresh to the way any of them tell the stories. And so you're sort of like getting over the parts that are really much too familiar and much too by rote just to get to the parts that are interesting and a little bit distinctive. But if this is the kind of story you like, and lots of people are suckers for this sort of gritty 80s New York yeah. mob type story. I'm one of those people. Uh, I'm one also, of those I'm one of those people, Dan. <laughs> yeah, then I then I think it's it's painless. But the question of whether after you've watched three hours, you will have learned more than like one or two things you didn't know before. Yeah, I think that I think that's likely. I think if you if you are an enthusiast already, you will know nearly everything oh, in this. Case. Okay. All right. Cool. That's Fear City, New York versus the Mafia again. Netflix. Uh, uh, we talked a lot about Netflix <laughs> this visit. Hey, you know, bless them. If, if it weren't for them, I I might be sleeping more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Always a pleasure, my friend. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Stay in, stay safe. Okay. Same to you, Nick. Talk right. to you later. Okay, see ya. Dan Feinberg, everybody. TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter. You can follow him at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N.